0: We'll start with the word stories. Stories help us remember. Remember cherished and fun moments. Remember sad and heartache moments. Remember terrible and awful moments. Today, for our chapel, we remember the Holocaust. So that these unspeakable things will not ever happen again. And we do that by sharing stories. Thank you to Clara for being here this day. Cantor Kenny, music, awesome, thank you. You are invited to, if you wish, uh, light candles at the end of the service. There are cards next to those candles. Those cards represent pictures of stories well-remembered, and you're invited to take a look at those cards and read those stories and remember. With that, please stand for our morning invocation.
1: Exalted, compassionate God, grant perfect peace in your sheltering presence among the holy and the pure the souls of our brethren, men, women, and children who were murdered by the Nazis. May their memory endure inspiring truth and loyalty in our lives. May their souls be bound in the bond of life. May they rest in peace. Amen. El am a man whos a man whos a be mahalot kidoshim ute horim ke zohar harakia maazhirim. Et nishmot kola cheno bene Israel anashim nashim vetah. Shennit bechu, vishennich neku, vishennis refu, vishennahegyu, uuuh. ana baal harachamim, as terem beseter knaf ale olamim, utzror bitzror hachayim et nishmotehem. Adonai hu nachalatam vianuchu vishalom al mishkavotehem Venomar, Amen. Maybe seated. Anima Amin, I believe. The simple form of Maimonides' thirteen Jewish principles of faith. The song is known as the hymn of the camps and is attributed to Rabbi Ezriel David who composed the tune in a cattle car on his way to Treblinka. This melody was taken up by others who sang the song as they were being herded into gas chambers of the Nazi concentration camps. I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah, and although he may tarry, I will wait daily for his coming. Anima Amin. (tries) I (tries) Amin, Ani ma amin, Ani ma amin. Behemunashlehma. Beviat haMashiach, Beviat Hamashiah, Ani ma veafalpi. Shahid mamaya imkalza anima amin anima amin anima amin can you sing that with me it's two words ani ma amin ani ma amin ani ani amin Behuna shlema Beviat Mashiyach Beviat Mashiyach Ani maamin Vi auf alpi sheit mameya im koldze ani maamin Ani maamin Anima, amin, anima, amin.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much to University. People who lead this university for letting me, inviting me to fulfill my mission to never again, never forget, and never let happen the worst genocide of mankind. I think you see the last time of was. Survivors who are still can testify my wish never again. And I want you to remember, especially the youngsters, to never let happen again and never forget. I was a little younger than your age. I was 13 when it started in Romania the terrible Holocaust that will follow for four years and then six million died. Yes, I was born in Romania, Transylvania. You still can have a smile when I say Transylvania. Anybody knows something about Transylvania? You smile. Dracula, I'm his niece. I want you to smile, because my story is not pretty. I wrote it. I'm still here, my mother's voice. Because one of the luckiest person I was, that my mom, for sheer luck, survived with me, and lived till 101, and fought all her life to talk about, to write about, She wanted me to be the person who will change the youth. I was lucky also that I was a teacher for 45 years of French and Latin. So I was the leader of the youth. And I taught them all what I knew to be good, to never forget. Uh, I was born in... 19, shall I tell them? Yeah, 1927. So I'm 90 now. And your college also celebrated my birthday. It's a miracle that I'm still around. And I had father, a mother, daughter, a brother, and I. But my brother, my uh, father had 11 siblings. My mother had four brothers. They had children. We have grandmothers. We had whole family, but after the Holocaust, 39 members of my family were killed, either by gas, by heavy work, by malnutrition. Only mom and I survived. I share luck. By the time I was 13 years old, we heard rumors that there won't be school—that no school for Jewish children. Well, that was a tragedy for Jewish families because we believed in education. And how can we live without education? I was a seventh grader. My brother was a ninth grader when it all happened. But without school, it's terrible. My Christian friends did not understand why would I be out of school. What happened? Well, anyway, we were lucky. There was a famous scientist in Transylvania. And the priest, the Protestant priest, they decided that they will go to the ministerium, the state, and beg for a school, anywhere, anywhere where they can but they wanted the children should have some education because the school was close from kindergarten to college. It was impossible, and they were lucky. One of the guys said, well, we have a building in Cluj. You probably read Elie Wieser's book. He was also in that Cluj school. So, that we could give—it's a dilapidated building, but you can still study and learn there. So, they came home, and they had—we had a school. One part of the school for boys, one part for girls, and we studied. Now, we lived in an aunt's house, or we had somebody. Uh, boarding house, it was not easy for our parents to support the children in school, but they sacrificed and they wanted the kids to be educated. Um, In Christmas time, I went home and my father said, Clara, sit down, tell me what do you study in that school? They supported the school, there was no state who helped Uh, the school or the teacher's payment. So uh, I said, well, we studied geography and history and physics and, and languages. Stop, Clara, what kind of languages do you learn there? So I told him that Romanian, the state was Romanian, Hungarian, German, Hebrew, because it's Hebrew school, French, because French was like Romanian, and my father stopped me so where is English I said I don't know where would you put another language we have also Latin for the base I don't care I have two brothers and two sisters in the United States after the First World War they left Romania luckily and they they have children who is going to talk to them if you don't speak English so I said, the principal, you have to do something about it. I was 13 years old. He said, we don't have an English teacher here. Who is going to teach? I don't care. My father wants me to learn English. You know, those times the children, they obeyed to their parents. So I had to stick it out. Okay, he asked the German teacher who spoke who taught us German. It happened that she had a second language, English, and she was able and could teach us English. I don't have to tell you, I was the first child, student, who asked for English. At 3 o'clock, there were 30 more students who asked twice or three times a week to study English, and we really studied. If it's not the accent here and there a problem, then you tell me if you didn't understand me. But I spoke English when I was 13 years old in Romania. Uh, after a while, two and a half years of being happy and still living a normal life, there was another order from the state, no more school, go home wherever you belong and you see what happens. What happened is that we went home for two and a half, after two and a half years, and we said, what's next? The next was, without telling ahead of time, that we are taken out from our little house, and somewhere we will settle to help Hitler's war. Hitler's war, we have to help, either working in a factory or on the fields, or but we have to help Hitler's war. I was 16 years old when my father attended my birthday. And he came, he said, Cara, I have to give you an advice for the future. That's just because, before the Holocaust. Whatever happens from now on, I don't know. Everything is in secret. But I ask you that if you get to be 18 years old and you be in a college, then you cannot get married before you have a diploma in your hand. No matter what happens, you shouldn't marry a boy a man who who will take you with a pretty girl, he has to protect you. You should have a diploma in your hand and don't be, don't marry before you are a full fetched professional. I will never forget that, and i didn 't. The holocaust the beauty is coming now because now we were taken all in a ghetto. Did you ever hear what is a ghetto? Yeah. Well, this was a brick factory for 10,000 people in Romania. Nobody could come in or out from the ghetto. We were waiting for orders of where will we work, because we were a burden for the country. We, will, we have to work. So we waited. I have to tell you this story so you should know what, is, what happened, the first step in this brick factory. For three days, we settled in a big factory, 10,000 people, and we were separated by our sheets that we brought from home and made little I don't know how do you say that better in English, sleeping on the floor, 16 of my family on the floor at night, separated with a sheet from another family, and so on, when we realized that there were no toilets in the brick factory for 10,000 people. They had a big meeting, and they chose from the, the group six very good-looking boys, and one of them should come and tell what is to be done. Latrines. Have you ever heard the word latrine? That's a bathroom, which was a ditch. One yard deep, one yard wide, and everybody did in front of everybody, number one and number two, near that ditch. One of the boys was my boyfriend. By that time, I was 17 years old. He was chosen to do the latrines. He started off with a speech, I will refuse. To do such a thing. It's under any any kind of uh, uh, health health problems can come if this happens. Boy or girl or men or women didn't matter. That was the latrine that they had to use. So he was very upset and made a speech. The guard Look at him, and he said, "Did you finish? I show you what we can do for those who refuse any of the German orders or the Romanian. This is what happened. He chose two men from the crowd, and he hanged. They, they had to hang my friend to the tree so that they hardly reached the ground. Sure enough, after 20 minutes, he uh, fainted. He didn't die. He fainted, they cut him off, and they proved it. This and other things we can do to make you do what we want you to do. This man, man, he was 19 years old. He never forgot that, he never went through. Later, I found out how he died and what happened to him. But this was in the first two weeks of our ghetto. We ate whatever we brought from home, rice, potato, things that stayed. On three bricks, they had enough bricks. Three bricks where we cooked our meals. And we waited what happened to us, finally. What is the goal to do with us? After four weeks, we found out that we are going to leave somewhere. We never knew an hour before what happens to us. So we we heard that there will be a train and we saw the railway where the bricks were taken in or out, that will be our train. Cattle wagons had two windows, seventy-five people in one wagon. We were taken somewhere. Again, we didn't know where. My father was told he could see through the windows of the animals. And he said, we are not anymore in Romania. We are not anymore in, we don't know where we are. So be patient. What else could we be? Three days of train road like this. And we arrived in Auschwitz, you heard about Auschwitz, the worst dream or reality that I have ever seen and will see hopefully. It was a big, big concentration camp and extermination camp. When the people came with the trains, immediately there was a selection. Uh, Prisoners came to help us to get out from the train and wait for selection. It's a famous name. I want you to remember Mengele, who was a physician by nature. But what he did with one arm button, left, right. Left, old people. Right, young people. Left, men right women, somebody who talked to us, also a prisoner, say that you are young to my mother. They didn't have to say anything. The guy looked at my mom and he pushed her to the right among 40 or 50 uh, women who were young or younger than me. Not much. They're 16. And my mom was the only one who was above 40. But she went to the other group. She said, no, I don't want to stay here. Everybody's mother is there, Clara. I, go. I pulled on her, and she stayed with me. And I saved her life, because three times he went through this kind of selection, and she survived and worked. Amazing woman. This was already in 1944. When we selected for something else. Now comes the bad thing. We had to go to a room where we had a big shower. We were three days in a train. Took all girls, I'm talking to you. All girls, not a dress. Anything what you brought for home had to leave in the first steps of the shower room. We had to go to a shower. We stood with our shoes and waited for selection. Meanwhile, this young lady has nice hair and long, they shaved it right in the shower room. And I cried for my hair. You would cry too. The lady who was shaving us said, what are you they are crying about. It. I said, "You are shaving my hair, my long hair. You don't care what happens after that." I said, "I don't know what will happen after that, but right now, tell me why do you do it? Because you'll find out that it's very healthy, and we found out the lice would not come to a, to a shaved hair. That was my first experience. Then." We received girls, where well, are all the girls, one dress, a gray dress, and nothing else. No bra, no panties, nothing. That was our dress for many months. Terrible, we couldn't get away with that, but that was what our, our mission was, to do this. And then we were chosen to work, finally, After eight days, after examining every part of our body, what can we do for Hitler's war, we were chosen to work in a gunpowder factory in Riga, up there. Riga, Kaiserwald, 10,000 prisoners again, 60 in a room. We had a lot of batteries, those big batteries that we had to open and what was inside of the battery became gunpowder. Well, that's what Hitler wanted to, from us, gunpowder. Our job was very important. But we worked from six o'clock at night till six o'clock in the morning. We couldn't, have, we couldn't keep our eyes open. We were used to sleep at night, not to work 12 hours. And we found a way to sleep. There was a German guy. And I want to tell you not all Germans were bad. This guy saw that he cannot produce. We couldn't work. After 12 o'clock our head fell on the table. So he came one day to me after a week or so. I'm here. Do you speak German? Yes do you sing in German? I said, yeah, my father taught me how to sing every, in every language. If I, see, I hear an opera, it should be Italian, I should sing it in Italian. If the opera was German, I should sing it in, and so forth. So, when you see that all your comrades are sleeping and they cannot work, you start to sing. I said I have a lullaby and I have a love song. Which one do you want me to sing? Well they don't need a lullaby so you should sing the love song. I started to sing the love song of Lehar, if you know him, and after that all the girls, they didn't know the text, but they, the melody, they remembered and every night was a better night. This German guy Figured out, in order to pro- produce, he has to do something interesting. And he helped us, and we never were beaten again for not working. For three months, we worked every night from 6 o'clock till next day at 6 o'clock. After that, the Russians came, and this work had to be abandoned to leave from Riga and go somewhere else. I don't want to learn all the names that we were again selected and worked, selected and worked. Finally, we were taken to do anti-tank trenches. Russian anti-tank trench we had to fight. Some has to be done. So we were put to do, to uh, dig anti-tank trenches. Six yards wide, six yards deep like a trapeze. So the Russians came from east and they would meet the English or American troops in the war and that will be an obstacle in their way. And they will just jump into the anti-tank trench and die there. That was their aim. And this went on for three months. Now I have to tell two instances that we'll never, I will never forget. About November, it was already uh, terrible weather in Germany, um, snow and it was terrible. My mom already lost 60 pounds, she couldn't work and she said, Clara, today I am not going to go out to work. We didn't have doctors or hospital, nothing. I can't, I can't move my, uh, my uh, shower. I had some people axe shovel, Whatever we worked to make this terrible anti-tank trench, we had to. We had to work. So I said, Mom, we don't have a doctor. We don't have medicine. We have a, a, a dilapidated tent where the people died, and they put the sick people there to, to die. I don't want you to leave. So I, I took her out anyway. and. Give her a shovel and work the boys who supervised our work were about sixteen years old, almost my age, my age. They came around and if they saw somebody lazy not to work or standing for a minute, they came they started to hit him her i'm sorry, hit her until she woke up and worked again so. When they reached, one of them reached my mother, seeing that she doesn't do any work, they started to beat her. I was in the bottom of the trench. She was outside, but I heard how he spoke to her, you old bag, you don't do anything, how do you want us to win the war? And I heard the whole story. How long can you listen to this? I got up, it was a deep trench, and faced him. I said, what can I lose? I said, stop it. This woman is working from 7 o'clock till 7 o'clock at night until they get some little food. Don't talk about it, but I told him what kind of food. And she works here like like a slave. Whatever came into mind in German, I told him. At the end, I said, you know who is this woman? This woman is my mother. I never bragged about it. They they like to separate us. But I told him, this is my mother. Stop it. Don't you have a mother? And I stopped. He said, yes, but she's German. He turned around and left. All the girls who worked with me, Clara, you opened your big mouth. Terrible what you did. Now, they won't kill you. They won't kill us because they needed our work. But they can make our life miserable. I didn't care. At night, when I felt the bruises on my mom, on her back, all over, I said, at least he stopped and left. Next day, the guy came back directly to where we left off, the French, and he said, here is a carrot, eat it. It has some vitamins in it. Here is a half of a cigarette, smoke it. You will be less hungry. He turned around and left. Now, this gave me the idea that not everybody is so bad. Not everybody wants us to be dead. In one day, I changed this young man, he was 16 years old, S- from, from bad to good. This is the maximum what he could do to me, give me a carrot and half of a cigarette. This gave me a little hope, that maybe, maybe we can survive, maybe it could happen something. I had to tell you this story because I still believe that coexistence is possible, that not all Germans were bad, there were things that, that could be helped so they turn a little better than they were. I, I still believe that uh, communication, education is the answer of our well-being. That's why I became a teacher French and Latin, that I love people, I hope that we can, after this terrible tragedy, we learn our lesson. Not, not completely, we can look around, we have problems still. But in my life, that was the big change of this boy, changing from one, one day to another, to become a human being. Education is the answer to learn what to do, to whom and where. Anyway, this was already November, and in January, the Russians were coming. We heard the cannons; they come. It was my birthday, January 19th. My mother had a little package in her hand in the concentration camp, a package, and she said, Happy birthday. Do you know that you are 18 years old? And I have a little present for you. So I opened the package, the old newspaper, something was around it. There were a layer. there was a layer cake, a layer cake <coughs> made from three slices of bread, and a little margarine in between. <coughs> in the morning, we got one slice of bread. That was our breakfast. (coughs) I don't know, a little water, maybe. (coughs) And I said, Mom, where do you get three slices of bread? We have one in the morning. She said, well, you you didn't eat last night your bread. Last night? We were supposed to eat at lunchtime. She wasn't a good liar. <coughs> she didn't eat for three days to make, to make her daughter a birthday present, 18 years old. <coughs> of course, you are, you are a doctor and a rabbi. Still, it still bothers me. Never mind how many times I said this. Think of your mother, and don't ever criticize her. She is the best woman in the world for you. She, she lied. She stole. She did anything to make me happy. Washed my dress when <clears throat> at night in the river so in the morning it should be clean. This was the last time that she did her motherly job. (coughs) This was January 19th, January 21st, we were liberated by the Russians. In the middle of nowhere, they left us. They had a meeting. I overheard it because I spoke German. And one said, what can we do with these people now? The Russians are coming. One black SS said, well, let's burn them. There is enough straw in the barn. There are 150 people. The old guy, 80 years old. Uh, black SS. No way. The whole region will smell of human flesh. Then the Russians will know what we did to the Jews. Another said, why don't we um, burn, burn them? The second was that they said, why don't we uh, shoot them? Again, there was another SS who said, no way. If I have bullets, I protect myself. Finally, somebody went out, and all, the, all of them left us. <coughs> In the middle of nowhere, we came home for three months, walking, from January to April. till April, <coughs> till April uh, I would say to Andy and I, we didn't have a calendar. I tell you, it was at the end of April. At home, an empty house. They looted everything except my piano, my accordion. It was too much for the truck to carry. Do you know who helped me to start again life? My Christian friends who didn't know where I was, what happened to us, they didn't ask questions. One of them brought my navy blue velvet dress of my 16th birthday. Clara, I pulled down from the from the truck that emptied your house, and I put it in my closet. Here it is, nice color, lace color. The other one, a boy, bought my accordion. He put it in the ground for three months and then took it out and put it in his place and he brought it to me. When I left Romania 17 years later, I gave my accordion to his son. And this was a Christian girl. If I wanted to make up My sophomore year and my junior year, I had to have notes from the school. You know what? During the war, there were no books. They took notes. All those kids who stayed behind, they gave me their notes, taught me math. And the next year, when we had to go to the senior year, I went to school with them not Jewish girls, they didn't know how to have it, but (coughs) she was all Christian. Do you believe that coexistence is possible after I told you this story? You should believe it, because they saved my time to, I don't know what would have I done. Then we had a little school, seven Jewish girls and eight non-Jewish girls. All girls. I don't have to tell you that after that I could go to college, everything, but they didn't let me out. The last happy uh, uh, fact happened that my French um, relatives sent us an affidavit to come from Romania to France, then wait for the American visa and come United States. God bless America. That was my only free home. Now, do you believe that I go anywhere, wherever they ask me, especially if our Rabbi Bell is bringing the car, calling me, and then you? this is Remembrance Day. And you know what? In 19, in 2012, I got a telephone call from the Holocaust Museum of Washington. They keep track where we are. We are not so many. And, Clara, what do you do in Thousand Oaks for Remembrance Day? I came here because my son bought me an apartment, and I had nobody else anymore in New York State. And I said, no, I, I didn't. Well, you should do it. Remembrance Day. Remind what happened. I went to the mayor, Jackie Irwin. She was right away on my side. And since then, we have every year Remembrance Day, like this time. Thank you, America.
1: world recognize that we were not created for conflict, rivalry, hatred, or killing, but rather we are created in order to serve you. Have compassion for us and fulfill for us the promises of the scripture. Bring peace and justice to the land. Amen.